Welcome to the Student Affairs Spectacular, the weekly podcast giving you a front row seat to the greatest student affairs show on earth. And now your ringmasters, Tom Kriegelstein and Dustin Ramsdell. Hey there, welcome to another episode of the Student Affairs Spectacular podcast. Dustin here, and this episode is with Kedrick Nicholas. Uh, The topic of the day is assessment of student programming. Uh, And we had just a really, really, me and Tom had a really good time talking to Kedrick, and uh, he had some some great tips uh, that, uh, as everyone's sort of planning for the year ahead and uh, how they're going to maximize their programming efforts, uh, just some great tips and takeaways that um, you can really put into action. So um, we're really grateful for Kedrick for taking some time out of his day to uh, chat with us, which, uh, you know, it's even though it's summertime, I know it's still busy for folks who really appreciate uh, people like Kedrick giving uh, their time to talk to us and you uh, listeners taking time to listen to the podcast. And uh, as always, we appreciate uh, your listening, your feedback, your comments, your ratings. Uh, I always kind of put it on the tail end, but hopefully people who are listening now, um, I implore you, I ask of you uh, to rate us in the iTunes store, uh, give us any feedback, ideas for new episodes. If you want to be a guest, uh, feel free to reach out, comment on this post or uh, reach out to uh, Student Affairs uh, at the SA blog uh, on the Twitters if you uh, have ideas for anything, and uh, we'll be sure to get back to you if you want to be on. It'd be great to have some folks on. We want to want to get everybody on the uh, the podcast here. So, um, without further ado, here's the episode with Kedrick Nicholas. Time versus Central Standard Time. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. I completely forgot about that. That's my bad. And I didn't think to, to even mention it, so I apologize about that too. Well, we got to figure it out, so we're all good. But how are you doing today? How's your day going? Uh, it's going pretty good. Busy as always, you know, but it's going pretty well. What, what, what's the, what's the, the top of the plate this time of year for you? Uh, well, like today I was doing interviews for grad assistant positions. I had three grad assistants that got their master's degrees. So I was replacing their positions, and then now we're preparing for freshman orientations, um, the different kind of wrap-up meetings that we have with you know collective bodies like Greek Life. We have a big Greek Life wrap-up meeting. Um, I meet with all my student programmers around this time. And then the biggest thing for us right now is preparing for um, – for our summer programs, we have a program called Cowboy Camp for incoming students. Mm-hmm. So we're working on planning that as well as some things for the fall. That's a ton. That's a that, yeah, that, that's, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Because so like, I mean, like, there's all the discussion of like, you know, being busy and that being just like a state of being, but it's like, it's definitely real. It comes from somewhere. Like any of those things come from somewhere. There's just a lot of things that need to get done, especially for, you know, uh, any type of like smaller institution where everybody's kind of collaborating on all of the little components and the areas that you know, come around together. So, right. As we always do, just to start off, um, just for everybody listening, uh, if you want to give your introduction uh, and your student affairs story, how you got to be where you are today. Okay. Um, for first, my name is Kedrick Nicholas. Um, I'm originally from New Orleans, Louisiana. Um, I came to McNeese State University in 2000 as an athlete. Mm-hmm. I came here on a full football scholarship. That kind of was my story as a youth growing up, a lot of sports, and, uh, and it ultimately got me a free ride to college. Um, and then uh, while in college, I kind of got involved on campus as much as I could. Being an athlete, it makes it kind of tough, but as much as I could, I got involved. I joined the fraternity and uh, became involved with some of the general campus organizations on campus. And then whenever I graduated, 
um, I was offered a graduate assistant position in the student services slash student life office. Um, and that's kind of where I found my niche and uh, my passion for uh, student affairs. Um, within those two years, I got a chance to do a lot. McNeese is a unique university in the vein that we don't have very many offices that handle student life. Really, we have one office that handles student life. So within that office, you get a lot of different experiences. So Greek life, student org, student development, leadership development, cultural development, so on and so forth. So learning about all of that and, and um, being guided by some people that I would call my mentors, um, that really gave me the love and passion for student affairs. So whenever I finished my graduate program, I began to search out for jobs and I went on a nationwide job search and uh, ultimately wound up at McNeese. I didn't know it would happen that way because I was open to other places, but McNeese wound up hiring me and, uh, and I've been here now for seven and a half years. Wow. Um, I've received three promotions since I've been here and now I currently serve as the director of the uh, student life department slash assistant dean that's awesome that's a great story <laughs> yeah uh, just quickly what 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 sports were you playing or what sport did you play i didn't well growing up i you know i played everything basketball baseball football ran track um but football is what i got my scholarship for oh, okay. and that's what i played in college football got it what position linebacker all right yeah, so I'm sure there's some other uh, either football fans or former student athletes out there that'll appreciate. Um, everyone was much athletic one myself, and okay. but um, uh, so uh, kind of what we wanted to talk to you about, and especially I guess like in your role being a director and like leading a whole student life division, um, and a uh-huh. big topic in student affairs nowadays is assessment. Um, uh-huh. So the simple kind of question to lead us into that is why is it important to you and your perspective? Why is it something that would, you know, necessitate a whole episode and like is really just a um, buzzworthy topic in the field? Right. It's important to me because it creates value. Um, One thing I've learned about student affairs and student life is that a lot of people don't understand it or or they don't truly um, see what it does for a collegiate experience. And I think that assessment is the tool that that we have, that I have as a professional, to be able to talk to a parent of a prospective student or talk to a colleague from a different department and show them that what we do in our department is valuable. It enhances the academic experience. It it makes students more prepared for the professional world. It gives them um, qualities about them that the average student that just basically goes to class and goes home that they don't have. So I think assessment is what I can use to uh, to put something in front of them, to prove my worth and to prove my department's worth and, and what it does for college students. And and relate that, I mean, it is is student affairs behind an assessment compared to the rest of the institution or is the just the entire institution behind and and like everyone's talking about assessment here? I wouldn't say student, uh, well, I mean, not now. I mean, I I think if you would have asked me this question about five to seven years ago, I would have said yes. But I think now, like with, you know, with budget cuts happening across the nation and and like, I mean, like our state, uh, I'm not going to say that they don't value higher education because I believe they do. But when it comes to things that have to be cut down, higher education is one of the first things. So it's a trickle down effect with that. Okay, you cut higher education overall, which means universities have to make cuts, and uh, student affairs, student life, student activities have been some of the first departments that 
universities and colleges are cutting on their level. So since that's been happening, assessment has become more prominent because again, we have to prove uh, what we're doing for the university. I do think though that universities in general, um, and, I, and I can speak specifically for my state, I think they're a little bit um, ignorant to assessment practices that are happening in student affairs or they don't value student affairs as assessment practices as much as they value assessment that comes from the academic environment. Mm. Hmm. I think it does seem like the assessment is just and it's because some people get like scared of it, but it's like in a simple idea, it is that it's like it just allows for you know departments, functional areas as a whole, like division of student affairs, to be able to present something that has a lot of validity and you know reliability in terms of its data. Like it is like here's the awesome things that we're doing and the how much right. we're engaging students and what they're learning and right. It's like right. that, that's what it is. Like it's not anything to be afraid of. It's you know it's just what you're like the cool things that you're doing and being able to like showcase that in a really like clear and concise and like powerful way. Exactly. And Kendrick, I'm curious, uh, did in your schooling leading up to the position, uh, was there any training on assessment uh, or was this something you had to learn on the job? Um, when I was a grad assistant, uh, minimally, uh, we assess things. Uh, and it was more so kind of like quantitative assessment. So like, you know, looking at the increase of student organizations or looking at uh, the grade point averages of students who was it, who were involved versus students who weren't involved in Greek leaders and so on and so forth. Um, so my training was basically on the job. Now I didn't get a master's in higher affairs. I mean, I'm sorry, in uh, student affairs. My master's was in instructional technology. So a lot of, uh, of, of my um, learning about um, assessment and, and things that were involved with, with student affairs came from my mentors uh, who both had masters in, in student affairs and uh, attending various conferences where subjects su such as assessment and learning outcomes and stuff were presented. Um, so that's where most of my training came from. Yeah, I think because I... I'm just wrapping up my graduate program right now in student affairs, but, um, and like being in certain interviews and stuff, it seems like it, it's something that should have been like in retrospect, like it should have been almost like its own course. It was just a component of like a, it was an assessment evaluation and research course, which seemed like it tried to hit on too much and not just like, it could have been a whole course if it was like, oh, you want to do research in higher ed, here's a course for that. And then there's assessment, it's a course all on that. Like it was kind of smashed together with other things, but it feels like it's, it's its own whole thing. Like it's an old course, you know, to how to do like you know, right. all that kind of stuff. Right. Like I um in my undergraduate program in education, I actually had one course like that. It was it was basically a course that evaluated statistics and assessment practices in education mm -hmm. um, and you know just like you said like it was worth its own course you know it it could have been tied into the methods classes that we had in the education program but the curriculum or the people that developed the curriculum saw value in isolating that as one specific topic statistics and assessment in education and, and it was a very good course mm -hmm. And so then if, if you had to end up doing a lot of your learning on the job, where, where did you get it from? Like, how did you go about? Um, all right. Well, first, I mean, the old school way of trial and error. Uh, that, that was always uh, one method. But um, I mean, colleagues and, and networking, um, you know, and, and truly listening to what worked well at other institutions. I mean, a, a lot of my influence and things that I do here on McNeese's campus have come from 
positive things that I've seen from other institutions. Um, I mean, obviously, you got to keep mentors. You know, I mean, I, I had mentors as a grad student. I still have mentors now and have, and have expanded my network of mentors. Um, but just speaking with, with other people and, and uh, you know, reading the student affairs journals and, you know, all the different mechanisms that you have to be able to see what other people are doing well at their institutions. Well, I think like, that's right. like, a, and also like that, again, starts to kind of dispel like myths or anything about it is that it's like, you don't have to know everything right out of the gate. Like, even if it's like, it's not a huge component of right. the graduate program, like you can learn a lot from other people and learn just by kind of hitting the books and those sort of things. Like there's a lot of great uh, stuff right. out there to learn from. And definitely, I mean, I say definitely attending conferences, like, that really was the biggest thing for me. You know, I, I actually, uh, we had a small group meeting at, at the last APCA conference I went to and, you know, and I explained to the group how, you know, I don't have a master's in higher education or student affairs. The knowledge that I have came from those conferences, going to hear people like Tom and, and the other professional speakers and then listening to colleagues speak about things that they've done and like truly receiving that information. That's what developed me. And I, I consider myself to be just as qualified and competitive as somebody with a student affairs and higher education degree because of what I did at those conferences. And so with that, uh, you know, there's a lot of people that are going to be listening that are just starting off on their assessment path. Uh, uh, and, and one of the big reasons why uh, we brought you in to talk about assessment is because uh, uh, you you kind of have a blueprint or, or, or a formula in a way that you use that's 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 already being replicated in various versions at other institutions. So can you can you talk us through how you do assessment of your programming? Okay. Well, to me, the, the first step in doing assessment is understanding goals, objectives, vision, mission, so on and so forth. So what my department does through our students that plan programs and even myself with programs that I do straight out of the office, we do what's called program proposals. And on these proposals, we not only outline the basic details of the program, where it's going to be held, when, uh, a description of it, um, who's involved, budget breakdown, but we also connect learning outcomes for the program to the mission, goal, and objectives of our university. So we make sure that we are in line with what our university wants students to have out of their experience at McNeese State University. That's what guides our assessment. The learning outcomes that we create and we connect back to those objectives is how we formulate what's going to happen at the program and then what we assess following the program. So after proposals are done, obviously we implement the program, conduct the program, and then after the program we have assessment and one of three ways. We use clicker technology, which are units that we can pass out to the students that attend these programs and assess them right then and there. Uh, we use Google Doc surveys where we may retrieve uh, students' emails to get into a prize drawing or to eat at the event. And then they will receive an email following the event to do an assessment through Google Docs. Or we do the old-fashioned paper surveys, which we try not to do as much as possible because it just takes a, a long time to compile that data. 
and we do our assessment that way. But within our assessments at each of these events, uh, you know, I try to make it no less than five, no more than 10 questions because we don't want to make it so short that we don't get good information or so long that people don't want to do it. But within those assessment questions, there's always going to be at least one question relative to the learning outcome or a learning outcome that was in that program proposal. All right. So I, I want to uh, dig in a little bit further about the different types of assessment. But before I do that, just to recap it, so uh, to make sure that everyone uh, got the information. So you you have these these program proposals that a piece of the program proposal is that uh, they have to talk about learning outcomes that are attached to the mission and the vision of the university which is great you know especially when you're going back afterwards to the to whether it be the provost or the president and you're they're seeing that you're right. linking all the programs to the vision and mission that's awesome then you yeah. do the program then you have uh, three different types of assessment so can you talk us through with those types of assessment the clicker the google doc and the paper survey like what uh -huh. are the pluses and minuses of each one right okay well uh, the pluses of the clickers are I mean you get your responses right then and there uh, I mean you, you know you pass out the units to students uh, they see the questions the questions are used you can verbally uh, give a, a clicker assessment but it's better to do it through PowerPoint so people can actually see the questions and see the responses um, Again, clickers right then and there. You get your data right then and there. The negative of clickers is they're not cheap. Uh, like we were able to only afford 150 clickers. So if we have a program that's more than 150 people, then we can't use clickers. Or we have to do like a random pool of people from the, those that attended the event. And, and on, on the clicker, can you just, is it open to share some numbers and or what's the, what's the name of the company you use for the clickers? Uh, we turning technologies and they also i mean they, they give you the clickers the software that you need uh to implement the assessments and also they provide technical support all of that comes with with your contract if you wanted somebody to come on your campus and train you or your staff they can do that as well it's optional you don't have to but they can do that as well and are we, and are we talking thousands tens of thousands um, for our 150, like they have different package prices and they're very negotiable. Um, we probably paid about $4,800 for 150 clickers, um, two response transmitters. And what those two response transmitters allows us to do is let's say we have two events going on at the same time. We can split the clickers up because we have two response transmitters, um, the software and the technical support. Got it. Cool. Because I, like I know a lot of students get like the like, kind of cl uh, the clicker technology for classes and stuff. I remember exactly. that from undergrad, and it's right. like a smart, different way to do it. I didn't even thought of that because it is like it's right. instant. Like if they're asking a question in class, you right. can get like, oh, everybody knew the answer to that one, or nobody like got it, so I'll go over it again or something. So exactly, cool. exactly. So Could I, so I mean, if if that that's really always our preferred method, um, and then I would say another negative about clickers is let's say you're doing an event that's outdoors or you're doing an event that students are eating food just to preserve the clickers you don't want to use them at those type of events you know because clickers can walk off or get damaged uh, because that's just not the right place to use them yeah, yeah I want to add one uh, personal experience with the clicker so I was at a school doing a program and they were using the clicker to assess it afterwards and which is you know everything's fine and then uh, they did the assessment 
uh, tracking right there while I was still in the room. And so right. it was like question number one was, was this speaker worth your time? And like, yes, totally worth it all the way down to waste of my time. And everyone clicked. And then there was a reveal screen too. And, right. and uh, you know, hindsight, I wish I would have, I wish I could have stepped out of the room or something. Right. And so like that's, if there's a live performer, um, my, my recommendation from, from this side of the table is to, uh, remove them from the assessment. Cause it's definitely strange to be standing right there. And, and honestly, I think it pollutes the, the, the results too. Right. Yeah. It's either going to be like too positive or whatever. Like it's going right. to be like, Oh, he's right there. So yeah, good job. Yes. Or like they're there and they get all the bad feedback instantly where it's like, <laughs> Thanks for your time, everybody. And then it's like, wow. just like no good but, numbers. Like, but. but I can also tell you, Tom, that there is an option to not have those results visible. Got it. Yeah, yeah you don't. Yeah, because like for instance, we use we not only use the clickers for assessment, but when we do events such as we may have a talent event where we let the student audience vote on each person, we have it set up to where they do vote, they do see the question and the criteria for the question, but you can't see the results. The results go back to the computer that's controlling everything, and only the individual that's working the computer can see it. That's like. That's like uh, um, the voice last night was right. real time text to vote. That's crazy. Right. Yeah. It right. seems like people, like, because it's like some of those minor details, I feel like even that it shouldn't deter people from, like, you know, checking out the clicker technology. Cause it's like, right. like, yeah, you just are doing assessment in a different way if you're trying to look at right. it like you would, like, a paper and pencil sort of thing. It's like, yeah, you have to just figure out a different way to be able to utilize, like, new technology where you can get instant feedback, you know, for uh, whatever the type of program might be. So, Right. Um, cool. All right. Yeah. So, uh, so we had that's clicker. What uh, going to Google Docs? Uh, right. Give us the rundown of that one. Right. Google Docs. Um. Um. I would. Uh, neg- a negative about Google Docs is it does take a little time to create your survey. I mean, it takes probably minimal, but some training for a person to be comfortable with it. But the positive about Google Docs is it outputs your assessment data in two forms that saves you a lot of time. One, uh, in spreadsheet format, where it has each question listed and each response in each column uh, per person. And then the other way is they actually output graphs for you. Mm-hmm. So pie graphs and bar graphs and line graphs, um, you know, things that you would have to get into Excel, plug in all these numbers and build these graphs yourself. Google Docs does it for you. Um, and then the, you know, the obvious negative compared to clickers is it's not instantaneous. So you have to take the chance of getting these emails, sending them out to people and hoping that they go into the emails, do the survey and respond to everything. Now, what we use as a tactic is we do a random drawing. So if a student goes in and completes the Google Doc assessment, we don't ask them their name because we want them to be anonymous to a certain extent, but we ask them to either put in a phone number or their student ID number. And we do a random drawing for one of those numbers to see who wins, for instance, a $50 gift card to our bookstore. Mm -hmm. So that's the incentive and the motivation that we offer the students uh, for actually going and doing those Google Doc surveys. Cool. And and then the, the last one, the paper survey. Paper survey, I mean, I hate those. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, just being honest. Uh, but sometimes 
uh, you know, if, if it's a very short assessment or it's tough to like uh, put your assessment questions into multiple choice format, the paper surveys are the best way uh, to, to go about doing it. Now, we, we may do a paper survey twice in entire school year. Uh, so it's definitely not something that I would recommend with all these good technological options that you have that compiles this data for you. I mean, why use a paper survey? But every now and then, like for instance, if you're, if you're just working straight out qualitative data, like clickers, you can't type in all those letters. And you don't want a Google Docs report that has a hundred different responses because everybody was able to just give words instead of yeah. options or numbers. So sometimes the paper survey is the best way to go, but more times than not, we decide not to. Yeah, I feel like yeah, there's always like a cool like technological tool because I think even like you could do focus groups, but then you can just kind of uh, like record like an audio recording of the focus groups that you can right. kind of just listen back and maybe yeah, just like you know transcribe some of the main points or something instead of just like you know, like you save money on paper. I mean, you have to invest in some other technology, but like paper nowadays, I feel like it's like uh, not as not as worthwhile. But um, so with all these great like uh, tools and methods of uh, doing assessment, what are maybe some just like anecdotal stories or um, just successes of your efforts of right. really being keen about how you're assessing programs and uh, getting good well, data and all that good stuff? Yeah, um, uh, what, what it's allowed us to do is to, to have true evaluations of the programs that we do and determine how to do them better. Um, just to give you an example, um, we do a program here, um, Parents and Family Weekend, and we've been doing that program on our campus for about four years now. And uh, through our assessment and doing those program proposals and, and evaluating our learning outcomes, we figured out ways to enhance that program and ultimately get more parents and family members interested in it. Taking the things that, that they've told us and the things that we wanted to get out of it and either got out of it or we know we should do a little bit better at trying to get the result that we want that has ultimately made that program better um, another program which is called uh, cowboy camp is a program that we do for incoming students each year that program actually was a one-day program and now because of the way we we've assessed what we've done at that program in years past it actually has become a two-day program because we've determined more learning outcomes that that are created and that are achieved uh, as a result of that program so um, the the main point of it all is doing those assessments gives you clear information that tells you I'm doing this program well, I can do it better, or it's something that I need to discontinue. And it's not just because you feel that way, but because you have actual data that's telling you that that's the right way to go. Yeah, I think that is really important. Like, uh, yeah, because I think some people like emotionally make right. decisions in student affairs rather than just you know, yeah, exactly. doing simple uh, forms of feedback to figure out really what. Again, yeah, because you mentioned it before, it's about providing value. Like, you want right. to like, okay, if we're doing this, is this what people want or you know what they need and those sort of things rather than what you know one person just in their own opinion and thinks uh, an organization should do. Exactly. Um, and as we're kind of winding down, is there any uh, any books that you'd want to just kind of rattle off real quick that um, maybe on assessment that uh, people in the community would find uh, useful on this topic? 
Uh, no. <laughs> I, 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 I have to be co- completely honest with you and tell you that, you know, I'm not a big book reader. Um, uh, but, you know, if, if, if somebody refers uh, a portion of a book uh, to read, then I'll read it. Um, actually, the, um, the last book that, that I've been reading is actually Drew Brees' book. I'm a big Saints fan. And, uh, and Drew Brees had a book released a few years ago called Coming Back Stronger, uh, which talked about, um, you know, his experiences of, of having that, that terrible surgery uh, on his shoulder and leaving San Diego and transitioning his life to New Orleans. And, I mean, I'm more of a motivational book reader, and and that that's why I've been reading that one. And, I mean, the message of that one is just, you know, not giving up and, and understanding that you have ups and downs and and figuring out how to uh, to work your way through those problems. But, um, but there are... Um, there are a lot of tools. Um, one tool I would say, I can't remember the exact name of it. I would have to look into my email. But there's a student affairs um, or a higher education uh, email listserv um, that, that sends out messages from time to time. I'm sure there's several of them, but there's one particular that we use here at McNeese. And assessment is, is normally a huge topic in that one. Um, Another thing is like the the periodical uh, student affairs journals. Um, there's a magazine um, that I have a su- subscription to here, uh, College College Management and Planning, uh, which focuses on um, everything from um, operations of a student union to programming campus events, and it talks about assessment in that publication as well. So I'm more of a periodical reader than a um, than a book reader. Yeah, I guess I'm sorry about that. Well, no, because I think there is like a few like textbooks on assessment, but I think like there may be a a market for stuff that is like an easier read. I guess it doesn't feel so textbooky, you know, like because right. like it's more engaging. I guess that way it feels like it's um, maybe like stories and like those sort of things rather than just being like a um, something that's sort right. of more dry. But, um, right. Who dat? Who dat? That's right. <laughs> My brother is a huge Saint fan as well, so you'll probably appreciate that. It's going to be in the show notes. We'll put the, the Drew Brees book in the show notes. It's, a, it's definitely a good read, I'm sure. Um, but just to wrap everything up and bring it home, uh, you know, in essay chat fashion, uh, what are some final thoughts on assessment of programming that you'd like to share with everybody? Um, I would say finally... Um, just don't ever slack off on it. Um, like for instance, you know, some of my students like the the whole program proposal process is something that I implemented last school year and we put into effect this school year for the first time. And uh, obviously, we're doing the same thing going into the next school year. And uh, some of my students, you know, questioned. They were like, "Okay, hey kid, you know, we we did these program proposals in the past, and now we're doing the exact same events next year. Does that mean we can replicate?" the previous program proposal and I said no I said what you need to do is you need to figure out new learning outcomes and figure out new things that you want to get out of these programs as a result of doing the exact same thing or enhancing what you did in the past so I would say that that speaks to assessment to say always figure out something new to assess because regardless of whether you're doing the same thing or you're doing different things you can always have different outcomes you can always figure out a way to look deeper into something that you're doing so so um, just just always make assessment a priority.
society. You know, I always understand that you have to prove what you do to somebody as something that's valuable and something that's truly developing them. Yeah, I think it's like the spirit of that that I take from it is that it's, it's it's kind of dangerous to like rest on your laurels too much if you just kind right. of like like yeah we did awesome didn't we and it's just kind of like hang right. out here for a while and just kind of not like continuously improve or at least like look for what we can do um, you know just a little bit better and always kind of reach a little bit higher right because you know I, you know and that that feeds into what I was saying about, you know, even though we may have programs that we did well and, and we met every goal and, and learning outcome we wanted, that doesn't mean that we don't have to figure out a way to do it a little bit better next time. Absolutely. Yeah, that's great. Um, so yeah, it's a lot of great stuff here, Kendrick, and uh, uh, I think it's good resources and perspectives uh, on assessment I think people will really enjoy. So um, thank you so much for taking some time out of your uh, very busy uh, week and uh, semester and everything. We really appreciate it. Well, thank you guys. I truly appreciate the opportunity to, uh, to be a part of, of your podcast. And, um, and hopefully I was, I was a help to you all and, and those that, that are listening. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely worth. Thanks. Who that? All right. Take care. Who that? Who that? <laughs> Bye. Bye-bye. Thanks, everybody, for listening to this episode of the Student Affairs Spectacular Podcast. As always, please leave us your comments and feedback for the podcast. It really helps us out. Give us any ideas for guests or topics for the episodes. We really appreciate it.